I am going to teach like I am on the outside looking in this evening. And um, I, th- this, is, this is something, there's a lot of things in, in life and in my ministry that have always uh, amazed me. And this is, this is one of those things that amazes me. And I'm going to touch on it, and if I, uh, if I step on your toes this evening, uh, please just bear with me. And again, because the way I'm doing this, I'm doing it from the outside in, and I think it's essential to, to understand some things. And again, I, I'll be mentioning names of particular groups, but I'm doing this from the outside in, so just please bear with me. And what I want to do this evening is I, I'm, I'm simply, do we have this? Oh, we do have it. Wow, somebody fixed it. Um, when Eldar's not here, it's always problems. You know, it's, it's always have problems. Eldar can walk in his anointing, causes all the electronics to come online. My anointing always takes them offline, and that's my wife. She destroys them when her anointing hits, so it's just it's the way it works. Um, but I want to talk about deception. And I feel that we are living in, in such a time that, that we have been, uh, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me put it to you this way, because our theme this year is, is revival at sunset. We are living so close to the sunset that the deception that has been occurring for probably, I, I, well, there's been deception for a long time, of course, but I, I'm putting it in the deception that's been occurring probably for the last 50 to 75 years. It's been more intense, I think, than ever before. So the last 50 to 75 years of deception, I feel like, is coming to a head. It's coming to, uh, it's coming to a point where God is going to do something about it. And that's the best way. Now, this is what I feel in the Holy Ghost. And I'm just going to, I'm going to teach you tonight on some areas that I just, um, I feel it's near and dear to me because it, it, deception is at the very heart of the problems that exist among nations, religions of the world. Where if any, any is a truth... And now, you know, and where are the lies? You know, where you have truth, you have lies. And deception always follows truth. Always, and it always will. And no matter where people live on this earth, they have been lied to all their lives. Now, again, I'm being very brutally honest from the outside in. You have been lied to all your life from the very beginning. No matter what you say, how we try to mask it, how we try to say that it is white lies and they're okay, lies are never okay, according to the Word of God. And this is true whether it's on the job, whether it's politics and government or in families and communities, but it's most true... It's most true in religion. Now, Saturday night, I made a statement where I had a love-hate relationship with religion. And this is kind of where this came from. Now, when it comes to religion, who is right? Or is anyone right? I'm from the outside in. And when it comes to this subject, 
Isn't it true that everyone believes that he or she is right, regardless of what religion you may go to, whatever church you may go into tonight uh, or Sunday, you're going to go in and they're going to tell you they got the truth, that they're right. Again, I'm looking from the outside in. And if someone is right, then others who believe differently have to be wrong. Truth is at the very heart of this subject. And by its very definition, only one thing can be true when it comes to God and His way. There cannot be many differing ideas about God and His Word, and all of them being right. That can't be. Only one can be right, and only one can be true. God told man that there is only one faith, one belief, one hope, one good news. And let me read it to you out of Ephesians 4, 4, and 6. Do you have that one for me? Ephesians 4, 4, and 6. There is one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. Go on. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Does that say there's several different ways? One God, Father of all. I'm sorry. Go on. You can jump on. I'll come back to it on my own. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Okay? Now, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It does not say there is a myriad of baptisms. It doesn't say that there is a baptism this way. You can't be baptized in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name and baptized in the name of Robertson and baptized in the name of Krauss and baptized in the name of Fox. There's got to be a right way, and the rest of them has to be wrong. That's just that simple. I'm from the outside looking in. I'm this poor guy that just walked in the back of the church looking for truth. I'm looking for truth. Now, God states, or let's just God states what should be obvious, and and it should come up behind me. I won't read it behind me, but uh, you can read it. First John two twenty one says that no lie is of the truth. That's obvious, isn't it? No lie is of the truth. Now, to make this matter clear, if two religious organizations both claim to be Christian but they are in opposition over any single doctrine, then by definition only one can possibly be true. Now there isn't many ways to heaven, like some people will tell you, and I've talked to a lot of people through the years. Oh, there's a lot of ways going to Indianapolis, Robertson. Well, I'm not going to Indianapolis. I'm going to heaven, and the Bible says that the gate is narrow, the way is straight. You can read that in Matthew 7, by the way. So that means that there is a narrow straight gate, and it goes on to say that few there will be to find it. Now, we can define few in the terms of, of, of the world population, and that could be millions of people that will find it. That would still be few. And so we can't believe that only ten of us are going to go to heaven by saying few. But on the other side, not everybody that thinks they're going to heaven is going to heaven. There has got to be a right way and a wrong way, because if there is a right, that means there has to be a wrong. And the reason for this, of course, is false prophets, false religions. And one of the hardest things for man to do is to admit that he is wrong. Proverbs 21, 22 says that every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but it's the Lord who weigheth the heart. You know, it is a way of human nature. The proverb goes on to say, the Lord pondereth rather the heart. So what he is saying is that only God can reveal the true motive of the heart. But then we come to this. This is where we have problems. Who in the world's listening to God? 
I mean, they'll listen. Some of you listen to me, not everybody. Some of you listen to him, him. But who's listening to God? No excuse anywhere for people not to know that. If you can't read it, you can listen to it anymore. I'll come back to that. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Who's listening to God? Man is, man is determined to live his, his life his own way. As he does this, he considers his way is right. His opinions are the only ones that matters. And not considering what he is doing is a lie because the very core of man is based on selfishness and pride. Self being first. Whether man likes it or not, our nature is the reason we experience the problems that we do. It's our nature that gives us these problems. We inherited a nature from Satan, and boy, we show it. Yes, we're full of the Holy Ghost. Yes, we've spoken tongues. Yes, God has done some great things in our lives, and it, it helps us. It strengthens us. It gives us resurrection power, and, but on the other, and, and it leads us in the right way. But we have a carnal nature that likes to be right. We have a carnal nature that is selfish. We have a carnal nature that causes us problems. It causes arguments. It causes dissension, competition, envy, hatred, war, stress, unhappiness. Herbert Armstrong taught that there are two, uh, there are two basics of life, give and get. That's the two basics of life. And man is in the getting mode. And man will always be in the getting mode. You know, it's important to understand this because only if you can understand this can you understand the magnitude of the problem I'm really talking about here. We're living at the end. God is getting weary of the way that man is living. And I believe we're still in the dispensation of grace. Grace is still there. Grace is still reaching out. But I'm telling you, we are going to be getting into the... To the, the and I, I'm, I'm, I'm careful in how I say this. Judgment is not really, some people only understand judgment, but I think we're living into the time of chastisement. Chastisement as being a better word because God only chastises those that he loves. He judges those that are going to be lost. So chastisement is where we're living. Has anybody ever really think that maybe we're just being chastised a little bit? Did anybody ever think that? I mean, I do. I'll raise my hand. I feel like I'm being chastised a whole lot. Why is God chastising me? He's chastising me to get me in line because I keep praying His prayer. I want to go to heaven. You know, let's, let's move this a little further with this. A person's prejudice concerning uh, his religious beliefs will mostly depend upon where they were born in the world and the faith that they were taught by their parents. Now, I made this statement. And a long time ago, and I'll just, you know, there again, I'm from the outside looking in. I'm trying to understand things. I'm just this poor hilljack from Owen County. You know, that's, I didn't say Green County. You know what I said. It's Owen County. And, 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 you know, I can only understand things a little bit. And, and I also want you to understand why I feel the way I do about certain things. But so, so I made a statement once to you. I read this uh, article once where it talked about uh, this guy. He said when he was six years old, he said, I remembered reasoning that there's no Easter bunny. Six years old, he reasoned that out. He figured that out at six years old. Then, if there's no Easter bunny, there's probably no Santa Claus. Okay? <clears throat> now, if any parent teaches such things to their children, that at some early point in their lives, they're going to learn that Santa Claus is not real and that he's a hoax. Is it any wonder then, and this guy goes on to say this, that I learned of more lies in traditional Christianity as I matured. 
If children are taught lies, then is it any wonder they learn to be skeptical and mistrusting? I told you I'm going to hit us where we're We're in a new year now. We're in 2012. I think we're living the time we've got to get real because we've got a lot of churches out there that's not real anymore. In fact, all they are is social clubs. And I'm talking about churches who should be preaching and teaching the truth. That's about all they have become anymore. So, so you know, we, we can't tell children. You know, if children are taught this, then they're going to be skeptical, mistrusting. They're going to ask the question, is there a God? And, and most, if you ask, they would answer yes. Then if so, who is he and who's, who, is, who is telling the truth about him? Everyone should ask, you know, does he have a spokesman on the earth? Someone he speaks through as he did in days of old. Now, now you know, that's the question that kids want. There's a lot of kids that were raised in churches and preachers' homes that are out in the world right now because of lies. Okay, let's, let's just take it a step further. Do Catholics who make up 1.2 billion people on the earth represent the true God? Is the Pope the true spokesman for God on earth? Or do the 1.3 billion believers of Islam have the true knowledge of the one God they call Allah? And what about the remaining 1 billion people, separate from the number of those in the Catholic faith, who make up traditional Christianity? And what about the faith of 900 million in Hinduism, or 400 million in China's traditional religion, or the 375 million in Buddhism, or the 14 million that comprise Judaism? What about those? If we understand the definition of truth, then we know we have a big problem in answering the question about one true belief. It should be abundantly clear that there are millions on earth who are deceived. Now let's just be honest. There's millions in the earth who are being deceived. Now you've noticed I have not said one word about my way of believing, have I? Follow me. That I don't even know why I'm doing this. You don't need all this, but I just what I felt like doing here today. Uh, <clears throat> now, if there are thousands of separate organizations within the traditional Christianity that differ greatly in doctrinal belief, and, and they are, then only one, if any, can possibly be true. Are all of these religious groups throughout the world worshiping the same God? No. Their very beliefs and doctrines represent different teachings about God. All of them cannot be true. If they were all true, then they would be in agreement with one another. Now, having one's origin in the God of Abraham does not make one true. I don't care. You can go back and say, I got my father Abraham. That doesn't make you right. That doesn't make you. They did that in the Scripture. There are over 3.5 billion people who claim that kind of origin. Those who speak about the one and self-same God do not teach the same thing about him. Now, now, that is the problem. The reality is that there are billions on the earth who speak of God but do not teach the truth about him, and especially about what he says. Simply using the name of God, Old Testament, Jehovah, simply using the name of God or Jesus Christ does not make one true. You can go around talking about Jesus Christ my personal Savior all day long. It doesn't make you right. Oh, many use the name of God. They use the name of, of the, the one true God in Jesus Christ, but they teach a false God and a false Christ. They teach them falsely. 
they, they take Jesus and they relegate him to some lower realm. And they take God and they make him untouchable. Isn't it just flat confusing? I'm, I'm on the outside now. I come into McCormick's Creek Church and I see this preacher up here. And I'm trying to sit back there and I'm trying to get over all this confusion. Any wonder that the world's in such chaos? Think about it. Religious belief or no religious belief, which accounts for 1.1 billion people. No religious belief. 1.1 billion. And we think nobody can be, there's no one out there to be saved. 1.1 billion. You know, it is religious belief that is at the very heart and core of this world's problems. Whether you see it or not or whether you believe it or not, it doesn't make any difference. It's the heart, it's the core of it all. Let's consider what religious confusion and disagreement produces. How well do Catholics and Protestants get along in Ireland? Do they believe in the same God or do they follow the same God? Does the Church of England or the Catholic Church recognize the same government of God? Do they? Is Shiite or Sunni correct in their representation of Allah? Or do those who follow the ideals of Al-Qaeda have Allah on their side? Who is right and what is true? Do Mormons believe in the same God as the Baptist or the Seventh-day Adventist? Do Reformed Jews agree with the Orthodox or vice versa? Of all of these believe, all of these believe that they are true and right before God, yet their doctrines and their basic beliefs are often different. They do not teach about the same God because each teaches that God has taught it the truth, which is different from all other truths. Now, if that were not true and they did believe the same, then wouldn't they be able to join together in the same faith? Think about what I'm saying. Now, if they disagree with one another in doctrine about what is the true word of God, then by the very definition of truth, they cannot all be true. If the world is not already in enough chaos and confusion when it comes to religion, then certainly Christianity has made it many, many times worse. Now, I just covered all the world, and now I'm, I'm, I'm focusing down on Christianity. And that's the greatest confusing thing on the face of the earth. It's worse than the Shiites and the Sunnis. Last count, I think there was over 700 different denominations, beliefs, if you would, of Christianity. Now you think about that. Christian faith is about what one believes concerning Christianity. Now, if people believe they are to worship God in a church on Sunday, then that is their faith. They will live by that belief and attend worship services on Sunday. If a Christian believes that the Bible and primarily the New Testament is the inspired Word of God and they are to live by every Word of God as the Scripture says, then they would want to obey what God instructs. If there is one true religion and it is one of the Christian faiths, which one is it? Surely it would be the one that follows God's word faithfully as is given in Scripture. Now, that's how it seems to me, being that I'm sitting in the back right now. You see what I'm saying? I'm trying to understand how all these can be right. So it all comes down to this, and you read this, and you don't... Uh, when it, uh, I, I've said this before, and I'm going to come back to this, because I was raised a particular way. 
And when I decided that I was going to do what I'm doing now, I, made a, I, I decided I'm going to check this out and be sure they're right because I, I have an obligation to this guy here, okay, to this guy, to be sure that I'm right because this guy is going to instruct his children, his family on what's right. So I have an obligation to find out what is true. So I, the best thing I could figure is to go as much as I could by this and not have someone out there trying to explain away scriptures that are clearer and simple in this. The examples one can use to address this question are endless. And, and really, I could keep going. And most certainly, they cannot all be covered in, a, in, in, in the message that I'm trying to do this evening. Instead, it would take, it would take many, many messages, many teachings to do it. But let, let's look at some examples and see if we can find a, a true church that is the true religion on earth. Let's look at several examples so that we can begin to grasp the scope of the real problem. Now, the Catholic faith comprises a little over uh, one-half, 1 1.2 billion of all that is called Christianity. Therefore, it is primary importance that we consider this faith when we speak of Christianity. This will prove to be of great importance as we proceed through this, this uh, area of comparison. Catholic doctrine... We're going to look at just a little bit of it. A purgatory is a belief, or a faith, if you would, that some die with smaller faults for which they have, have excuse me, which there has been no repentance, and upon death go to a place of purgatory rather than directly to heaven or hell. The Catholic Encyclopedia states that the church has from sacred scriptures, now this is what it says, has from the sacred scriptures that there is a purgatory. However, the Methodists plainly state in their articles of belief that there is no scriptural evidence of purgatory. The Catholic Church doctrine concerning purgatory, pardon, worshiping, and adoration, as well of images as of relics and also invocation of saints, is a fond thing vainly invented and grounded upon no warrant of Scripture, but repugnant to the Word of God. This is the article uh, of, from the Methodist Church, Article 14 on Purgatory. The Methodists clearly teach that the doctrine of purgatory is vainly invented and repugnant to the Word of God. Now, most Protestant churches agree with the same stance of the Methodist faith. Obviously, these two faiths or beliefs are diametrically opposite to each other. To be the true followers of God and faithful to His Word, only one of these can possibly be true. Either one is true or both are false. But both cannot be true. It is important that everyone consider some of the most basic doctrinal differences in a faith that calls itself Christian. We have to understand this. Each faith group believes it is right, yet these faith groups offer greatly or differ rather greatly from each other. Therefore, only one can possibly be considered true. Stated another way, there, either one is true and the others are false or all must be false. The Catholic faith is one of the oldest known Christian faiths. None of the Protestant churches have the long history of the Catholic Church. The Lutheran Church, which is the oldest Protestant church, broke away from the Catholic Church, and many others eventually broke from the Catholic faith because they embraced a different faith, one never known before. The faith of the Lutheran Church didn't exist until Martin Luther came on the scene and stated his faith about God. And today we find that most Christian faiths come directly from the Catholic Church or from splinter groups of other Christian faiths during the last two centuries. Now let's, uh, let's, let's go another direction. I want you to think just a little bit this evening. 
During World War II, how is it that priests of the Catholic Church blessed German and Italian soldiers who were going into war to kill Americans who had themselves been blessed by their priest in the Catholic Church? How can such a thing be? Is there hypocrisy in such things? Question. Does such a thing reflect a unified teaching from one God with those of the same faith? Obviously, obviously, this example does not fit the definition of a unified belief in one true doctrine from one true God. So what is the truth? It's kind of like this. I made a statement one time. We were here at the church, and it was... Uh, it had been raining and raining and raining. Everybody's getting tired of the rain. I never forget. And one of the kids said, we need to pray that it stops raining. And I said, well, what if the farmer up the road is praying that it does rain? What do we do? It would be hypocritical. Or we could say, God, if it's your will to stop raining. <laughs> That's why the, 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 the prayer is that way. Thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. That's why the Lord's Prayer is the way it is. Sometimes you have to pray the will of God. Or, or you, you wind up being hypocritical in what you want. So, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of what I want. Is it greater than what you want? So we have to understand, well, really, what's right here? Is it more important for that farmer to grow food that we really need? Or for you to be able to go out and have a picnic? Do you see the dilemma? Do you see why there's so much confusion? Can you begin to see how that affects your life? Uh, yeah, this was written in 2005, but it, it's, it's interesting. It, uh, it's a guy by the name of Patrick Cockburn. He wrote his articles, Iraq, Iraq's top Shiite cleric warns of genocidal war. It was reported in the Independent News in 2005 and reveals it to religious confusion surrounding the ongoing terrorism in Iraq. And it goes on to say the slaughter of hundreds of civilians by suicide bombers shows that a genocidal war is threatening Iraq. And they had one of the ayatollahs in the country that was influencing the Shiite uh, was warning yesterday that, you know, he tells, he tells the Shiites, you know, you don't retaliate against this. So far he has persuaded most of his followers not to respond in kind against the Sunni from whom the bombers are drawn uh, despite repeated massacres of the Shiite. But sectarian divisions between Shiite and Sunni are deepening across Iraq after the killing of 18 children in the district of New Baghdad last week and the death of 98 people caught by the explosion of a gas tanker in the market town of, I can't say it, many who died were visiting a Shiite mosque. Now, against the wishes of the Ayatollah who had counseled restraint, some Shiites have started retaliatory killings of number of the former regime, most of whom, not all, are Sunni. Some carrying out the attacks appear to belong to 12,000-strong paramilitary police commandos. This news article is reflective of the confusion that exists in religion. That's why. They all believe the same, but one of them believes that one should have been uh, Muhammad's replacement instead of the other, Shiite Sunni. That's all there is to it. So they kill one another. But that's okay because they believe in having lots of children. As long as you have lots of children, you can throw them out on the road and do whatever they want. That's how they believe. Now, now you stop and think about what I'm saying. Religion is the cause of confusion. Religion is what will eventually bring this country down. What are you saying, Robertson? I'm just on the, sitting on the back. I'm just trying to figure this all out. I'm saying that there has to be a truth. 
And we have an obligation to figure out what that truth is. You have that obligation. In 2002, an ongoing conflict of religious ideologies led up to the brink of all-out war between nuclear powers of India and Pakistan. The conflict between Muslim and Hindu has manifested itself because of deeply held religious beliefs over the region of Kashmir. Is this one, in this one area of the world alone, peace is fragile. Much of the world has been deeply concerned at what would happen, uh, and, and you know, some of this, what would happen if, if, if the president of Pakistan really would give in and go against India. They were concerned about what would happen as a leader if he continued to do or would go along with what was going on around him. What about Iran? It's growing nuclear hunger. Does religion influence this thirst for, for, for greater power that could ultimately be wielded in this world? And what will Israel's response be? Or should, or one, you know, really we don't have to ask that question, do we? Uh, does religion play a part in all this? Does it play a part in all this? What about the ever-present stress between Israel and the Muslim world that surrounds her? Jerusalem is far from being the city of peace that her name means. She's not the city of peace. The world has always been filled with religious dilemma. Confusion has reigned in the hearts of men. Is there really a God of the earth? If so, which one is he? Who is right? Why is there such diversity and vastly opposing views of God among religious beliefs? Is God so small and weak that he cannot make truth known? You need to answer those questions. You need to know if this is true or not. You have to, as an individual, answer the questions I'm bringing before you today. You have to know. I thank God for the religious freedom in America. But that gives me the right to search for truth. It gives me the right. In some of these other countries, you don't have the right. You are born, it's a, it's a political edict. This is what you are if you're living here. You're going to be a Muslim. You have no choice. We have the choice, but what tears me up is we are abusing that choice. Instead of getting and really digging into it and trying to find out where our eternal soul is going to, <laughs> going to be for eternity, we just kind of give in and go along with what mom and dad did or go along with what somebody else did or aunt or uncle or grandma and grandpa instead of searching it out for ourselves. You know... I, uh, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I'm going to. If you're one of the thousands among the Christian faiths, <coughs> faith, faiths, do you have faith in the observance of Easter and Christmas or Mass for that matter? If you do believe, and I'm just asking, I'm just standing out. I like the giving of Christmas. I like that. I, I like the Resurrection Sunday. I don't care for Easter. Okay? And the reason why, you always wonder, why are you a little weird that way? You know, I'll tell you. I don't have to go all the way back to Tower of Babel where it originated. I don't even have to do that because that's confusing. I'll just go this far. Okay, That's as far as I'm going to go with this. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know this. If you do believe, does it matter to you that the authority for the observance of Christmas and Easter comes from the Pope and the Catholic Church? That's where the facts I need to go. Does that bother you? If you do not believe in the authority of the Catholic Church to establish doctrines for the faith of, of not going to do it for this church, but for your church. Let me just put it this way, for your church. Then why do you believe so many of the doctrines this early church established? 
If you do believe the Catholic Church has authority from God to establish many of the doctrines of most other Christian churches, then why don't you fully submit to her complete authority and leave the false one that you have been embracing? In other words, if you're picking and his pie a little at a time with your fingers, why don't you just cut a chunk out and eat it? Isn't that what we do? I like that. My wife got this coconut pie. I didn't get a good one this year, but he, he offered. Eventually I'll get one. But she bought this coconut pie. It wasn't nearly as good as his. But, oh, you know, it was not bad. I didn't really like the coconut part of it, so I eat all the meringue off of it. I said, no, I like the meringue. You know, I eat all the meringue off of it and said, here, honey, you finish the rest of it. I think that's only right, don't you? Just pick at what you want and leave the rest of it alone. <laughs> uh, it really adds up to confusion, doesn't it? Let me think about it. But the bottom line is that you and you alone, you and you alone are accountable for what you believe. I'm not accountable for what you believe. I can teach you right. I can preach to you correctly. But... You and you alone are accountable for what you believe. Only you can decide for yourself what is true and what is false. And to do so, you, you must be truthful with yourself about your long-held religious beliefs. And most of all, you must be truthful to God because, as your Bible says, no lie is of the truth, 1 John 2:21. This should be obvious if a person genuinely seeks to be truthful. If some doctrine or belief in, God, uh, belief in God is a lie, then by its very definition, it cannot be true or from God. Now, let's, let's take that just one more step. People who embrace any of the thousands of Christian beliefs need to know what their church teaches, where their beliefs originate, and whether they truly come from God. And if they find lies, then they must change or willingly submit to what they know is false and thereby be guilty of opposing the one true God. The scriptures upon which most Christians base their faith says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In John 4, 24. Now, here we love to use the spirit part of it because we believe in spiritual worship. But sometimes we focus so much on the spiritual worship, we forget that that says spirit and truth. Truth. So I have an obligation when I'm doing spiritual worship to be sure that I'm worshiping in truth. And if someone knowingly holds to a false teaching, then they certainly cannot be worshiping God in truth. God does not and will never accept such worship as that. You need to understand that doctrine of the Trinity does not have its origin in any of the Protestant churches, but solely in the Catholic Church. Therefore, most of the traditional Christianity has accepted this doctrine as truth from the Catholic Church. The Catholic Encyclopedia under the Blessed Trinity states, the Trinity, and I quote, the Trinity is the term employed to signify the central doctrine of the Christian religion. The truth that is the unity of the Godhead, there are three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, these three persons being truly distinct one from another. Now, truly distinct means there's one plus one plus one is three. Truly distinct, that's what that's saying. 
Again, the origin of this central doctrine is in the Catholic Church. All other Christian organizations that believe the doctrine of the Trinity received it solely from the Catholic Church to begin to embrace it in the 3rd and the 4th centuries A.D. The same article, the Blessed Trinity, also says, In Scripture there is as yet no single term by which the three divine persons are denoted together. The article is explaining that there is no such term as Trinity in Scripture and that there is no such depiction of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in such terms. They said it themselves. The same article in the Catholic uh, Encyclopedia adds, The Vatican Council further defined that the Christian faith contains mysteries, strictly so-called, Canon 4. All theologians admit that the doctrine of the Trinity is of the number of these, or is of the number of these. Indeed, of all revealed truths, this is the most impenetrable to reason. You stop and think about it. Of all of them, they say this thing does not make any sense, and they are saying it themselves that it doesn't. So they'll come back to the fact that it's a mystery. Okay, that's what it's saying. Hence, to declare that there's no mystery should be a virtual denial of the canon in question. Although such articles of the Catholic Church are not necessarily, um, you know, plain to understand, this one is worse because it doesn't make any sense. And I've read, I've read the Catholic Encyclopedia. I've seen the articles that come out of, out of these things. And, and this is something that I checked into a long time ago because it does not make sense. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now, let's move this a little bit further. Doctrinal confusion continues. You investigate what various organizations teach as the Word of God. The Almighty God states that He is not the author of confusion. He is not the author of confusion in, in, uh, in second, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 14.33. Yet, this world is deeply confused concerning His Word, His truth, and His way of life. The more you learn, about the differences in doctrines within Christianity, as well as their origins, the more lies and deception you'll discover. And we have to do ourselves a favor. Just do ourselves a favor. Now, do yourself a favor and check. I, I, I've, I've heard, thank God, I have never yet given in to Facebook, and I never will. But, uh, you know, the, I know it's just like an alcoholic or something. You've got to have that stuff, you know, and understand that. But, yeah. <laughs> Do yourself a favor, because I've some of the stuff that people put on that, you tell me, and some of the others tell me, uh, you know, all it does would just make me angry. And then, you know, I don't need to be angry. I don't need to do that, because, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm sitting in the back of the church, and I'm trying to figure out truth. I might get carnal and go try to find one of these people who have written it and, 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 and introduce them to some things. Okay, because that's what you want to do. So why do it? But just do yourself a favor and check an encyclopedia for words like Christmas, Easter, Trinity, and Sabbath. Just look at it. Check it out. And see what you learn. And you'll find that some doctrines of traditional Christianity have much of their origin in paganism. These things don't seem to bother people, but should it bother you? Let me just ask. That's all. Just should it bother you? If something is not fully of God, then it's not of God, and it's not true. The truth is that people don't like truth. Okay? This has been man's way for nearly 6,000 years, and that, and that is the true witness of the nature of man. 
This is a true testimony of God from the creation of man until now. And now that judgment is coming on mankind because, and let me, let me rephrase that. I mean, uh, you know, that, that uh, judgment, oh, no, I can say it correctly. Judgment is coming. It is coming. And I, I hope that chastisement comes away before judgment, but it is coming on mankind because of this very thing. Because man has not really sought truth. I believe God is going to put us in a position, and I'm not too sure that we're not there. Uh, if we look at everything that's around us, and I don't see things getting much better. I know there's been uh, some hard times during the Depression. I realize things and people have come out of it, but I just don't see us coming out of this one completely. It might get better, but I don't think we'll ever be what we once were. We were, we're not what we once were now, and we haven't been for years uh, with all that's around us. And everything is getting prepared. I was talking this uh, this past Monday, uh, some men, and we... we you know, and it talked about some of the things that, yes, you know, you, you need to vote for what's right. You need to do always for your moral inclinations, the thing that's morally correct. That's where you go. And the, and the party that's the, or the person, rather, that is, that is more the way we believe. And you're not going to get very close, but you can get close enough, I guess. So you have to go that. But you have a right to vote or you have an obligation to vote simply to make the statement that I don't like what I'm seeing. That doesn't necessarily mean that it will change because God has to be taking us towards the end time. And we know that. But we still have an obligation to at least make a statement. You know, I know I wanna, I, I'm ready for the Lord to come, but I just can't believe that our society is so stupid as to see what's going on. Robertson 6 and 4. So we know that. It's, it's just <sighs> We live at the very time that this judgment is going to be administered in a, in a powerful way. God has a plan and a purpose in letting man go so long in his own resistance to his will and his way of life. Now's the time for all of us to be all of this to be corrected, and I think that's what we're coming to. I think in 2012 we're going to start seeing some correction. I think some people are going to start turning the corner in what is right and how they believe and how that they act on what they believe. Men are going to start being men of their families. You know, they're going to start being the head of their families. We need to see that again. Women desire that. Men should desire that. We're going to see children brought up the right way again because we don't have a lot of time. I don't want my kids to get a bad start. I don't want to see that happen. We're going to see people who begin to put God first rather than everything else. Their prayer lives are going to change. We're going to see gifts of the Spirit administered in the church more so than ever before because... We are recognizing a time of judgment. I need God's Spirit guiding me now more than ever before. I have to have that. Let's just go a little bit further. So what is the truth? So what is the truth? This book. I don't have to go in. I don't even have to turn into it. You need to do it. You need to turn in and you need to find it. You need to rightly divide it. And don't base it on some, somebody's theory back 100 years ago. Read it for yourself. The book is truth and it's one of, the, one of the primary things I do appreciate about the job God has given me. I do that because I do have this book and I have the obligation to study it, to read it, and to be sure that I deliver truth to the best of my ability. And I simply want to state the truth as it is. I do not have to spend endless hours defending it, debating it, or endless hours even expounding it because it's written right there. 
We can go all the way around and do all kinds of fancy messages, but it all comes back to the simple truth. It's all the simple truth. This book is the truth. God is about to prove that this book is telling the truth. And he'll do so with power unleashed beyond any that he has ever used to reveal to man that he is the one true God. I believe that. I believe we're going to see that happen. You know, sometimes it's not easy to admit that God has corrected you. It really is not always easy. But let me ask you this. Just how much suffering do we have to do? How much suffering do I have to do? How much suffering do you have to do before God really begins to get us back on the road that you once were? I, I don't think there's too many people in here right now that can say and be honest that you're on the same road that you was when you got up after you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Maybe you say you're a little wiser. Maybe we're older and we don't have quite all the vinegar that we used to have. But on the other side of it, is it just a fact that we think that, well, we're just not as committed as we once were. Our consecration is off. I don't want that to be this way. Not, not now. Not now. The one thing you have to remember, God is merciful to those who are broken in spirit, broken from a spirit of pride, humble and teachable before him and who seek to obey him in the truth. If you're not willing to humble yourself, God will humble you. You're not greater than God. He's greater than you. If people put him to the test, especially at this time in human history, they will lose. This is true because the time of man's judgment is truly, or his his chastisement, judgment is at hand. We're at the end of that 6,000 years of self-rule. We really are. It's been 6,000 years of self-rule. And before He comes, He's going to be the Lord of your life. Or He won't be your Lord at all. I want you to stand with me. We're going to have a baptism shortly. And anytime anybody, if you want to come down and pray now, you sure can. And in fact, every one of us, I'd like for all of us just to bow our heads together right now. And let's ask God to help and to strengthen and to be with us. And all we do to strengthen this young lady here this evening, to be with her, to let her know that God, Jesus Christ can truly be the Lord of her life. And he will be with her throughout whatever happens whatever comes her way that when she makes a start for him that he'll be there all the rest of the days of her life we praise you we honor you we glorify you jesus we thank you for every blessing we thank you for the promises that you've given us we thank you that you truly are our king and our redeemer that you're our hope that you're our help that you truly are the lily of the valley the bright the morning star and the rose of sharon we bless and honor you and we thank you jesus hear this evening please if you must talk go out this young lady's praying and if you must talk please go out in the vestibule lord bless you